Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online, we're glad that you're with us as well. Today, right after the service, we've got a few things happening. Uh, But one of the things I wanted before we dive into James chapter 3, I wanted to just make you aware of it is uh, we have Intro to City Walk coming up right after church uh, this Sunday. And basically what Intro to City Walk is, is if you've been here maybe for a while or maybe if you're new and you've thought, man, how can I get connected? What's my first step? Coming to Intro to City Walk is the first best step. We start about 15 minutes after the service in the fellowship hall. It lasts about maybe 40 minutes. We provide lunch. We provide child care. And it's just a good opportunity for you to ask questions, to hear a little bit more about the church, and really just to take steps to get connected. And we want to make City Walk, whether you're watching online or here, we want to make this an easy place to take steps to get connected and intro to City Walk is that first step. So I wanted to make you aware of it. If you're looking for about 40 minutes of extra childcare uh, or a little bit of free lunch, you can have a date on us with your wife at Intro to City Walk, and, and we'll take care of your kids. So that's right after the service, about 15 minutes after the service uh, ends in the fellowship hall. Uh, this past week, just like you guys, uh, our family celebrated July 4th. And July 4th, for all of us, we we probably all have some different family traditions that we kind of do on July 4th. Maybe you're watching online and and you you had some things that you did this week uh, that maybe you do every year about July 4th. Probably for a lot of us, you you broke out the grill and you cooked up some of your favorite meat. Uh, You may have a a favorite dessert. You you made the annual flag cake for the family and uh, you have maybe a favorite dessert or two that you have on July 4th. And then probably for all of us, as the evening kind of moves along and things get, you know, kind of gets dark outside, we blow things up in our front yard. And that's part of our tradition. And if you love Jesus, then you don't blow things up that go through like the ceiling and, and, you know, then the police come. Uh, Or you might be a pastor and do that kind of stuff. But no, I'm just kidding. We, we did everything legal this July 4th at our house and for our family. Uh, but you have fun. You, you have fun. You, you have those traditions and you probably light up some sparklers and it's like pyromaniac's greatest day because you're actually getting to play with fire and it's part of the deal and it's celebrating your country while you're doing it. And so you, you have some of those. For us, for Lori and I, July 4th is, is cool for all of those reasons, but July 4th for us takes on even bigger significance because uh, 25 years ago, this past July 4th, something very significant happened to us. Uh, Lori and I, we were about two years. We had just finished our second year of college, and we had been dating for about 18, 19 months 
Uh, we were working at Word of Life Island, which is a youth camp up in upstate New York, and we were, were working there for the summer. And I had just made the biggest purchase in the history of my life, and, and I had this, this ring, and I, I had this ring that was literally burning a hole in my pocket. I, 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 I couldn't have been one of those guys that bought the ring like six months earlier, because, man, when I got it, I was like, let's do this. And so I planned it out. So July 4th, man, this will be great. And I had this picture. So we're literally working on an island. So there's, I mean, there's some beauty right around us. And on this island, there's a thing called South Point. And, and on South Point, there's a, there's a lighthouse. There's a big like rock area where you can sit on and kind of overlooks the lake. And so here's the picture I had in my mind. The picture was, hey, we'd go out to South Point. We were with another couple, some of our best friends. We'd build this fire. It would be an awesome fire. There's boats that on July 4th come out because fireworks shoot up over the lake. So the, the lake's full of boats. So we would, man, we would have this beautiful fire, some food. We'd watch the, the fireworks over the lake. And I mean, just this magical moment. And then in this, this magical moment, I would invite Lori. We'd walk towards where the lighthouse was. And she'd look up at the lighthouse. And there was a sign hanging on it that said, will you marry me? And it would be just magical, and they'd probably make a Disney movie about us because it would be so good. That's what I had in my mind, but that's not how it happened. It was the most awkwardly windy night ever. We couldn't even get the fire started. I mean, I, I'm, I mean I'm trying. I'm doing everything I can. I'm pouring every kind of chemical on this fire that's probably not, you're not even supposed to do. But to get this thing lit, my friend's trying to help me out. And, and, and we couldn't get the fire going. It was so windy. It's, it's kind of rainy. Probably, Lori, at this point, it's like, do you not like me? Why are you having me out here on South? Can't we go somewhere else? And so, man, we, we try to build this. It's not working. And then I have to, some, in some awkward way, get her to walk over to this random lighthouse for, for no reason in her mind. And so I did. And, and I got her to walk over. And she looked up at the lighthouse. And Man, she saw the, the sign, and then she turned around, and I was on my knee and, and uh, asked her to marry me. And it was in that moment, though it didn't work out the way I thought, and it wasn't this magical picture that I had all planned out, it's one of my greatest memories because when I asked Lori the question, she said yes. And this picture is for sure staged. After the, after the moment. So don't think like, oh, that's the exact moment. No, that's probably about a half hour later. Uh, but but it, it sounds good, looks good, and it, you can tell it was not on an iPhone or any kind of machine that we have today. Uh, but, but it was in that moment I asked her that question, and she said yes. If she would have said the word no, the night and the memory would be totally different. And this memory is, is a reminder for me of the power of words, even one word. Because yes, it was really good. If she would have said no, the whole thing would have changed. It reminded me of the power of words and even little words, how powerful and meaningful they can be. And like me, whether you're watching online or you're with us this morning, like me, you have a bunch of really good and probably some memories that are not really good that are all built around what someone said to you. 
In fact, if you were to look back at your last six months, some of the biggest smiles that you've had on your face have been because of what someone said to you. Some of the maybe biggest hurt or biggest frustrations that you felt over the last six months is probably for the same reason, because of what someone said to you, because of how someone used their words when they were talking to you. I would go so far to say that words impact every area of our life. And in today's day and age, we have more platforms for our words than there has ever been in history. But the fact that words impact people for good and bad is not new to us. And it's been going on since there was communication. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, he talks a lot about the power of words in his letter that we've been looking at this summer. We've been spending the summer looking at this letter that James, Jesus' brother, wrote. And he wrote it to a group of people that were scattered. They, they were people that had lived and, and probably kind of been centered in Jerusalem. They had become followers of Jesus. And then because of persecution... They had been scattered because persecution had gotten so bad in Jerusalem. These, these families had scattered all over the world. And so James, as kind of was his practice, he, he, st- he was a guy that, that wrote and spoke very straightforwardly about practical issues that people were facing. And so he writes this letter that's going to be sent to all these families and these small house churches that have scattered all over the world because of persecution. And if you've read through James, or, and you'll even see it today, James, you'll find out he is very passionate about helping these people live out their faith even through trials. And one of the most challenging areas to really live out your faith is in this area of communication and how you use your words. And so James, as is his practice, he just dives in. He's not one of those guys that feels like you have to sandwich things with like, here's good, here's good, and then let me put something constructive criticism in the middle. He just goes at it. And what he does is in in, in James chapter 3, he starts with teachers. He starts with teachers. Here's what he says. In James chapter 3, verse 1, he says, not many should become teachers. And in this setting, he's, he's talking about spiritual teachers. He's talking about people that teach the scriptures. Evidently, there must have been a lot of people that were wanting to be teachers. Some of them probably wanted to be teachers for the right reasons. Some of them wanted to be teachers for wrong motives. And so James says, he says, not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that you will receive a stricter judgment. And basically how James starts this talk about words and communications is he he says, hey, let me remind you that the role of a teacher should be taken very seriously. Teaching God's word is a sacred stewardship and a teacher who teaches God's word, not, not just a pastor, but someone who teaches God's word is held to a higher standard because they have to live what they teach. And so James says, hey, be careful. Be careful if you want to be a teacher. That's, that's not, you can be a teacher, but, but know that it is important because teaching God's word cannot be taken lightly. And here at City Walk, we take this very seriously in every single environment. 
Whether it's somebody teaching from this stage or whether it's somebody teaching in front of a group of preschool kids, we take the teaching of God's word very seriously. And in fact, as we think about kids ministry, we we say it this way. We say, hey, we don't babysit kids. We invest in world changers. So so we're we're not, if you had took your kids over there, you didn't take your kids over there to get babysat. At least that's not what our city kids staff thinks. They think that, you know what, this is our opportunity, our stewardship to invest in the lives of these future world changers. And so we take teaching God's word very seriously. We want it taught accurately, but also passionately. We don't want your kids to leave church thinking the Bible is boring. And James, he, he, as he's opening this section, he, he wants to make this clear. Like, teaching God's word is important, but don't take it lightly. But, but then James, in his very next statement, he makes a very transparent statement. He says this. He says, for we all stumble. And basically that word stumble is a nice word for sin. He says, man... We, including me, James is saying, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature and able to control the whole body. Basically, what James is saying is our mouth verbalizes what's going on in our hearts. And so if someone is able to use their words in a way that honors God, it's because something good is happening in their heart. And if they can use their words and discipline themselves to use their words in the right way, then they're probably going to be disciplined in other areas of their life. See, the tongue, and James, he'll make this clear. The tongue, though a really small part of our body, is extremely powerful. Because words impact every area of our life. And so James, to to kind of illustrate this and make this really clear, he uses some illustrations that these people would be very familiar with to show how even a small thing can be so powerful. He says this. He says, now if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. Basically, what he's saying is there's, and you know this, if you've ever been around a horse, there's a bit. It's, it's usually metal or uh, it might be made out of synthetic material, but it's a small bit that goes in the mouth of a horse. And, and that bit is used to literally direct that horse. That small bit, though it is so little and so seemingly insignificant, that small bit It literally will direct and control a huge, powerful horse, even though it's small. James goes on. He says this. He says, consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. He says basically, hey, like that bit is so small and in the mouth of a horse, it will direct a huge, powerful horse. Well, the same goes with ships. And and for these people, they didn't obviously have airplanes or cars. And so, man, if you wanted to go somewhere far away, a lot of times you were getting on a ship. And you were getting on a ship that was going to be driven by wind. 
And so these people are really familiar with this. And James says, hey, you know, just like ships, these massive ships that have these huge sails that are driven by wind, they're controlled by a seemingly insignificant small rudder that you probably don't even know is there. And it controls the whole ship. And he goes on and he says, so too. So just like the, just like the bit in the horse's mouth, just like the rudder, so too, he says this, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. And then he says something that, man, we in our part of the world should be very familiar with. He says, consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. I mean, like I said, if, if any area of the world should be understand this, we should. Like every single year, thousands upon thousands of acres are burned around us, in our state, on our coast. People lose their lives. Property is, is damaged by the millions and millions and millions of dollars. And, and it's just, as we sit here right now, there are several fires going on. And here's the thing, and, and you, you know this because you've probably followed the news on a lot of these. Most of these fires that, that burn thousands upon thousands of acres started with a small, insignificant, maybe accident with a small fire. And that accident or that small fire or that cigarette or just something so little is the catalyst to thousands upon thousands of acres being burned. And James compares the tongue to the fire. He, he says, the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains or pollutes the whole body. It sets the course of life on fire and itself set on fire by hell. Basically, James is saying, though the tongue is so small, it's at the center of who you are. And based, based on what you say, there is so much power, devastation that can happen because of how you use that small, seemingly insignificant part of your body. And you know this. If you're watching online, you've experienced this. And here's what I mean. You've begun to interact with somebody that you felt, oh, this is a, maybe a nice person, maybe somebody I want to get to know until they open their mouth. And, and maybe you're that person for somebody. No, hopefully not. But, but, but you know, we've all been there. Like, hey, this person looks like a sharp person, looks maybe somebody that you want to connect with for whatever reason until they start talking. And then how they use their words, just this small, insignificant tongue that they have, how they use their words, it basically puts a filter on, on all of them. Like you filter them through how they speak. I mean, there's people that you don't go hang out with simply because of how they use their words. And again, small, this is a small body part, seemingly insignificant, but yet it pollutes or has the potential to pollute and devastate the whole body. It has the potential to pollute and devastate other people and affect their eternities. And that's what James is saying. He's saying your tongue, 
though insignificant as far as the size of your body, is a tool that the evil one wants to use to pollute and destroy people's lives and their eternities. James, he, he continues to illustrate this by, by talking about animals. He says this, verse 7. He says, every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish, is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James is saying, in, in our own power, we are unable to tame our tongue. We are unable to use our tongue for good on our own. On our own, if we're left to ourselves, at best, we will be inconsistent with what we say. At worst, we will spread poison with our tongues. And then James, he, he, he gets real, real real in this next statement. He says this. He says, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. He says, you know, you know with that tongue... Man, we, we, we come to church and we, we sing songs and tell God how worthy he is. With the tongue, we, we pray reverently to God. We worship him. We, we do that. We, we bless the Lord. We, we honor the Lord with our tongue. But then he says that this. He says, but while we're doing that, we also, with it, we curse. That word curse means to wish evil. With that same tongue that we're singing praises to God and we're honoring God and we're reverently praying to God. With that same tongue, we wish evil on people who are made in God's likeness. And then he says this, he says, blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. What are you saying, James? What do you really mean? Say it a little clearer. See, he's basically saying, see, we've made this normal. We've made this normal. It's just normal to, hey, come to church on Sunday and sing to God and then go home and vomit with our words all over people at work and on social media the rest of the week. And that, we put up with that and that's just normal. And James is saying, that's not normal. That shouldn't happen. This blessing and cursing shouldn't come out of the same mouth. He said, there's just no, from what James is saying, he's talking to these people, he's like, there's no justification for it. And when we do it, the devil, he's there to give us a high five. Good job. Yeah, go to church, sing to Jesus. Then spend the rest of the week ranting on social media or treating people like trash at work. That's, yeah, you're, that's normal. I, I, for me, man, this is, this is a tough one. This, you know you, how you have like pet peeves that just get under your skin? This is one of mine. For me, and maybe, maybe like Chris, you're reading into it a little too much. But for me, I'm convinced that a lot of people that claim to follow Jesus could care less if people around them spend eternity in hell because of how they use their words. 
You're like, dude, that's a little harsh. That's a little bit too far. Here, here's what I mean. I, I just don't get it. When we come to church on Sunday, then we go home and we, we rant on social media. We, we never win an argument. We just lose influence. And it just, it just blows my mind. It, yeah, and we, we have our like cheerleaders and the people that all agree with us, and they, they get fired up. But the people that we're trying to reach, we lose credibility. When we use our words to try to make a point instead of an impact. And man, the church has made that. And I'm not talking just about, our, I'm just, the church as a whole has just made that normal. It's just, that's just okay to do. And James is saying, he's saying, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not normal. <laughs> I look back and, and Facebook memories are a blessing and, a, and not blessing. If they're a blessing and I look at them probably every day because I like looking back at my kids when they were younger and some of the stuff we were doing and, and that's fun. But then I look back at some of the stuff I said on social media and I'm like, what are you doing? Why did you say that? Can I erase that, please? Can that never be a memory? Some of the, the things I used to say and some of the statements I, I made, I just, oh, I, I rubbed myself the wrong way. I'm like, dude, I mean, wh why did you even do that? And, and this is just, just what's normal. It's okay. Blessing and cursing out of the same mouth, that's okay. And James, what he does is he... After he said this, he, he finishes this section with kind of the same theme that he's had throughout the rest of his letter. He says this, does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? He says, can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt water spring yield fresh water. And basically what James, and if you've been here for a few weeks, you've heard me talk about it. James, he's real big on, hey, if you're an orange tree, produce oranges. If you're a, you know, a grapevine, you're going to produce grapes. If you're a Jesus follower, you should probably talk like a Jesus follower. If you're really a Jesus follower, and that's basically what he's saying. He's kind of kept that theme, like if you, who you are, if this is who you really are, then it should reflect in your life. If you are a follower of Jesus, you should probably talk like a follower of Jesus. It's what his point is. Because words impact every area of our life. And James, remember who he's writing to. He's, he's writing to people that are scattered throughout the world. They're facing persecution. They're facing political pressure. They're facing some really dire times. But yet he wants to remind them of, hey, your words, in the midst of the tough times, it's important that you steward your words well because of who you are. You're a follower of Jesus. And so he makes that point. Words impact every area of our life. And the thing is, we know this. I mean, we know this. Whether you're a person of faith or whether you're somebody that's investigating faith, you're not maybe sure what you believe, we all know this. Because we have been impacted for good and for bad by the words someone said. I mean, there are some of us that, man... There are people that aren't even alive anymore that we are still affected for good and bad by what they said to us. 
We, we get this. We know that our words are important. We know that our words impact people. And so without personally walking around the room and asking you a question, I'm going to assume that if you're watching online or, or if you're here with us this morning, I'm going to assume that you don't want to pollute or destroy someone else's life with your words. I'm going to make that assumption without coming around and asking everybody. So I'm going to talk to you as if that's, what you, that's how you feel. I'm going to assume that you echo the words of David in your heart when David said this in, in Psalm 19. He said this, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So, so with that in mind and kind of that assumption that, that none of us are perfect, we all blow it with our words, but, but I'm, I'm assuming that every single one of us, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, even if you don't believe in faith or anything, but I'm going to assume that you don't want to ruin someone's life by what you say. And if that's the case, there's a, there's a few questions that I think are really healthy for each of us to think about. And here's the first one. How's your heart? How's your heart? When we say things that hurt people and we don't please God, it's a reflection of what's going on in our heart. Jesus said that. And, and so how's your heart? I mean, this just between you. You don't have to like write this down. You don't have to tell us. But, but just think about it. Is, are you angry in your heart? Are you afraid in your heart? Have you been hurt deeply in your heart? Is there jealousy in your heart? I mean, we could continue. Like, how's your heart? Because our words are just the vehicle to say what's on our heart, what's happening in our heart. So how's your heart? And then as you think about how is your heart, or if, if you ask that question and you, can, and you honestly say, hey, Chris, man, I'm, I'm angry. Or Chris, I'm, I'm hurt. Or Chris, I'm, I'm afraid. If I'm honest in my heart, I, I, I live in fear or jealousy. You know, what, what's going on? If you're willing to be honest about it, that's a huge step. And, and my next question for you as you think about that is, man, have you talked to God about this? Have you been honest with God and said, God, I, I'm struggling with anger in my heart. The, the reason I say what I say and I treat people the way I treat people is because of this anger or this jealousy or this fear. Have you told God about that? And, and then the, the second kind of thought is, have you talked to godly people about that? Like, are there, it, it's good to talk to God about what's going on, but have you begin to share some of that? Maybe not with the world, but just with a few people and say, hey, I struggle with this in my heart. Would you help me with this? I, that's one of the reasons I love city groups is because it's just a, a smaller environment to just not to like air all your dirty laundry, but just people know you. You can share what's on your heart. For me, just to be 100% transparent over the last few months, and some of our team knows this, Man, I noticed a critical heart starting to kind of well its way up in my, heart, in my life. And I started to feel this critical heart kind of coming up in my life. And, 
And I, I watched how it affected how I communicated to people. It affected how I treated people. It affected how I communicated to my wife, how I treated my kids, how I treated even people on our team here. And I just noticed that there, I had a critical heart. And so I, I was like, man, I, this is not good. And I don't like what this is doing. I don't like how I treat people. I don't like some of the things I've said. I don't like having to apologize over and over because I said something I shouldn't. And so I, I looked up on version. There, there was a reading plan on, on kind of this subject. And it, it basically it was, Lord, help my critical heart. That was the name of the reading plan. I'm like, that's for me. It was five days long. I just read it four times. I just finished it, started over. Because I just dealt, I was struggling with that. And then I called a guy, I called a counselor, a pastor that's older than me. And, and it's kind of been down the road a lot farther than me. And I just, even this past week, he and I had a Zoom conversation where, man, we just talked about it. And he, he shared some wisdom and some help. With, he gave me some help because my heart was starting to reflect in some of the things I was saying and communicating. And it bothered me. And that was, none of that was comfortable. And so my question for you is how's your heart? What's going on in your heart? And are you willing to be honest with God about it? Because it's not like you're going to surprise God like, oh man, I didn't know that. Thanks for sharing that, buddy. No, he knows it. But are we willing to share with God, be honest with God, and then are we willing to be honest with some godly people about what's going on in our hearts? And here's what I found. When you share what's going on in your heart with other people, you actually give them the permission to share with you what's going on in their heart. Because there's other, a lot of other people that there's stuff going on inside, but they're afraid to talk about it. Oh, I'm the only one that struggles with this. And when you're brave enough to say, hey, I struggle with this, you'll notice that other people around you will say, well, man, if you're being honest, let me share with you what's going on in my heart. So how's your heart? Second question as you think about, man, what it looks like to use your words in a, in a way that honor God, it's this question. Are you more focused on making a point or an impact? Be because the answer to this question will shape how you use your words in your personal interaction and how you use your words on social media. I mean, when you, when you go on social media, is it about this? I just, I just need people to know what I believe. I need people to know that I, politically, this is where I stand. I need people to know how bad I hate the other side. I need people to know it because you can make a point. But you probably won't make an impact. You'll lose credibility. You'll lose influence. And I, I'm, I, I think we should stand for what's right. I'm not saying that. I, I've put things out on social media where, that shared where I stood on different things, but but. I don't think that shouldn't be the norm where we're always on there just ranting and ranting about how we hate the Republicans or how we hate the Democrats or this guy or that guy. Because, yeah, we're making a lot of points, but we're losing influence in the lives of people that need Jesus. And so this is a tough question. And grappling with the question, how's your heart? And, and this question, are we more focused on making a point than an impact? They're tough questions. They're not comfortable, but they're so important if we're going to have a healthy heart because words impact every area of our life. And here's the beautiful thing. 
The, the beautiful thing is though we fall short and we all fall short in this area, no one has this together, including James. Though we fall short, we have a savior we can lean into for help. Just as, as we lean into Jesus for our eternity, we can lean into him for help with how we use our words. Listen to David in Psalms 141. He says this, as he was leaning in to Jesus in this area, he says this, Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Do not let my heart turn to any evil thing or perform wicked acts with evildoers. David says, Lord, I literally, God, need you to put a guard on my mouth. I, I need your help. I'm leaning into you. I can't do this myself. And it's in that moment where we humble ourselves that grace upon grace upon grace is available. Our words have great potential for good and for bad. And the memories we leave with people will in large part be from how we use them. And so my prayer for myself and for you is that we would lean into Jesus in how we use our words and that we would make our words life-giving words. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we prepare to have the band come back out and we prepare to close things up, Maybe you're here and you would say, Chris, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've, I've made that decision. Maybe you made that decision a few weeks ago. Maybe it's been a few decades ago. But, but here's, here's my question for you. It's a question I've been asking myself. How have your words impacted others? Just think about it. Even over the last couple weeks, how have your words impacted other people? Maybe you'd say, man, it's, it's done, I've done pretty well. It's been a good couple weeks. God's doing some things in my heart and, and my communication is, man, it, it's been good. Maybe you would say, man, I'm, I'm struggling. Maybe, maybe you'd say, hey, yeah, there's some things going on in my heart that are showing themselves in, in what I, how I talk to people. And so, man, if you're a follower of Jesus, my, my, what I want you to think about is, man, what is one thing you can do to ensure that your words are life-giving. What's one thing? What's one thing that you could do as you leave today that would help you use your words to give life, to impact people? Maybe it's talking to somebody about what's going on in your heart. Maybe it's confessing sin. Maybe it's, hey, man, I have used my words terribly to some people this week. And maybe it's a phone call where you just call and apologize. I don't know what God's telling you, but, but what's one thing that you can do? Maybe it's getting into counseling. Maybe you're here or you're watching online and you would say, hey, Chris, I'm, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I, you know, I'm investigating faith, but I've, I've never kind of stepped over the line of faith and really become a follower of Jesus. Well, well Jesus, and, and maybe you've heard this today, Jesus wants a relationship with you. He, he wants a relationship with you, and a relationship with Jesus will not only impact your eternity, 
But he's here to help us with practical things like using our words to please him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe if you're here and you'd say, Chris, today, man, I want to follow Jesus. I want to take that step. How do I do that? With every head bowed and every eye closed, you, you just talk to God from your heart. We call it prayer. Prayer is just telling God what we believe in our heart. And just admit to God, admit to God, God, I, man, I've, I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. I've done things my way. Just tell him. Just in your heart. Then, then tell him, God, I, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for my sin. Just tell him. I, I believe that Jesus rose from the grave. Just tell him. And then just invite him. Jesus, come into my life. Transform me from the inside out. Just tell him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you'd say, Hey, Chris, today I I asked Jesus to save me. Today I, I made that decision to follow Jesus. Well, we would love to know about that. And you let us know about that by filling out. There's a little decision card right in front of you. You fill that card out. Take it to next steps or just drop it in the offering basket. And we'll call you this week. We won't bug you, but we just want to celebrate with you, answer questions. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a decision card right there. Maybe you're here and you'd say, hey, Chris, would... would would some people at church just pray for me this week? Pray for me and how I use your, my words or pray for me in a different area of my life. I've just got some things that are heavy on me. Well, there's that prayer card right in front of you. Fill that out. Do the same thing. Put it in the offering basket. And we will pray for you. God, I thank you that we don't have to walk through this life alone. We don't have to walk through eternity alone. We don't have to fix our mouths or fix anything in our life on our own. In fact, we can't. We're so thankful, Jesus, that not only did you die for us, but you lived for us. And you want to live your life through us. And so, God, we're asking that you would help us today to reflect you with how we use our words. In Jesus' name, amen.